CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Science of Success with your host, Matt Bodner. Welcome to the Science of Success. I'm your host, Matt Bodner. I'm an entrepreneur and investor in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm obsessed with the mindset of success and the psychology of performance. I've read hundreds of books, conducted countless hours of research and study, and I'm going to take you on a journey into the human mind and what makes peak performers tick. With a focus on always having our discussions rooted in psychological research and scientific fact, not opinion. In this episode, we explore strategies to jumpstart your creativity, how to think about the definition of success, how to retain the knowledge from all the books you read, and how to be a better writer with best-selling author and publishing expert Tom Corson Knowles. Because the science of success has spread across the globe with almost 500,000 downloads, listeners in over 100 countries, hitting number one new and noteworthy, and more, I give away something awesome to my listeners every single month. This month, I'm giving away another $100 Amazon gift card to one lucky listener. All you have to do to be entered to win is to text the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. And if you want 10, yes, 10 extra entries into the giveaway, all you have to do is leave a positive review on iTunes and email me a screenshot to matt at scienceofsuccess.co. That's M-A-T-T at scienceofsuccess.co. In our last episode, we went deep into limiting beliefs. We looked at how random childhood experiences can shape your worldview for decades, discussed how your outer world is created by your inner world, examined how to reverse engineer bad behavior, and much more with our special guest, Catherine Plano. If you feel like something's been holding you back, but you can't figure out what it is, listen to that episode. Today, we have another great guest on the show, Tom Corson Knowles. Tom is a serial entrepreneur, blogger, and international best-selling author. He started his first business at age 13 and is the founder of TCK Publishing, whose mission is to help every client earn a full-time income as an author. Tom's best-selling books include Secrets of the Six-Figure Author, The Kindle Publishing Bible, and The Kindle Writing Bible, among many others. Tom, welcome to the Science of Success. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's great to be here. 
Well, we're very excited to have you on. Uh, so, Tom, to kind of get started, tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into sort of the world of publishing and, and writing. Yeah, sure. So I, I kind of started my writing journey. Well, actually, I mean, just as a when I was 12 years old, I would just like write poetry on my computer. I had like no idea what I was doing. And I had this like really old word processor. And then, you know, no one I knew wrote poetry. No one in my family wrote poetry. It was just this weird thing I did. But I never really thought about it, you know. Until, you know, years later when I was in college, I was a freshman in college and, um, you know, I was in business school and all of my classmates, their dream in business school was to go to Wall Street, become an investment banker, earn six figures right out of the gate and work like 100 hours a week on, on Wall Street in investment banking. And that to me was an absolute nightmare. So the dream of everyone around me in business school was my nightmare. And I, I was like freaking out, like I had to find something else to do because I didn't want to end up in, in that career path. It just, you know, what didn't fit for me, for my personality, for sure. And so I started studying entrepreneurship. I started, you know, side businesses, um, anything I could do to earn extra money. And one of the projects I started was, again, just this random thing. I just opened up a Word document on my computer and just started writing. And it was never meant to be a book, really. It was just meant to be, you know, my personal manifesto, my personal beliefs of what I thought it meant to live a successful life, you know, beyond just having money. But for me, it was more about freedom and, you know, having great relationships and being able to go wherever I want, whenever I want, wherever I want with whoever I want in my life. Um, and so I started writing this manifesto and, you know, share with a few people and they loved it and recommended I actually get it like published. And so I started, you know, trying to get a traditional book deal, trying to find an agent, trying to find a publisher and just completely failed miserably, you know, six years and, you know, didn't get anywhere, banging my head against the wall, basically. And then about, you know, four or five years ago, a friend just mentioned in a comment, you know, why don't you just self-publish your book on Kindle? And I had a Kindle since the day it came out, so I knew about you know how amazing ebooks were. I loved I loved ebooks. I loved my Kindle reader, but I had no idea you could like self-publish because you know when I first started my first book, man, I looked into self-publishing and it was like, you know, the business model was you need at least twenty-five thousand dollars investment to buy five thousand books to have them all shipped to your garage so you could store them there. And every time you wanted to sell a book, you had to collect the money from the customer. You had to you know put it in an envelope, stamp it, seal it, send it to the customer. You know, it was just this this crazy business model. And, you know, I didn't have the money to invest the time, let alone, you know, the, the time and inclination to store 25,000 books or 5,000 books in my garage. Right. So. Um, so when I heard about ebook publishing, I was like, that's amazing. You know, I just studied everything I could. And long story short, you know, my first uh, year, I had my first twelve thousand dollar month just from ebook royalties alone on Amazon Kindle. And so that's when I kind of knew I had I had made it, so to speak, in the publishing world, you know, just just by myself. That's fascinating. And what was the uh, what was the name of that book? Um, so my very first book, it's now called Rules of the Rich. It had a, a different name back then, but I've, I've since rebranded it. Yeah, and that was that's my personal manifesto of you know what I think it takes to live a successful life. So what are some of the things that you shared in there in terms of kind of success beyond sort of traditional monetary success? Well, you know, a big thing for me was was freedom, right? Because you know a lot of people might have a lot of money, and I knew a lot of people in my life, especially when I was growing up, who you know had a lot of money, but they did not like their life. They did not like the work that they did. They didn't like their family. They didn't like their wife. They didn't like you know so many things about their life, right? You know, growing up, I observed these older people in my life, you know, family, friends, and so forth, who because my parents were both doctors, so they had a bunch of friends who were doctors, and you know, doctors are actually one of the professions that have the highest suicide rates, which is like crazy, right? And so I see these people who are like millionaires. I mean, so much money. You know, they could they had yachts, they had all kinds of great things, and they they hated their life. They were stressed out. They were overweight. They didn't want to take care of their body, you know, and all these different things. I think, you know, to me, I learned really quickly, like that's, that's important to me. Like, I don't want to end up being 50, being overweight, being sick all the time, hating my family, hating my life, hating my work. I wanted the opposite of that. I wanted, like, I wanted the money, right? I'll take that. 
But if you if I could also have the freedom, the health, the great relationships, that to me, uh, I think were the, really, really the keys to, to successful life. And so that's what I've tried to try to strive for since then. That's great. I think that's a really uh, great way to think about it and, and look at it. So shifting directions a little bit, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to discuss with you is kind of the idea of creativity. And, you know, obviously creativity is a huge part of the writing process and, and something we've talked about before on the show. We actually did a whole episode on kind of some of the neuroscience behind creativity and how to spark it. Um, but I'd love to, to hear some of your insights about uh, kind of what you've learned and, and how people can jumpstart their creativity and sort of harness it. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for me, creativity is like everything, whether you're in business, whether you're writing a book, you know, any kind of project, you're creating something new, that's going to require creativity. Right. And so and and one of the issues I have with the word creativity is that you know, it's, it's, it becomes a stereotype like, oh, if you're a creative person, you're like a starving artist. Like most people think that. Right. Um, we think that like, like either you have creativity or you don't. But that's just not true. It's a learned skill like everything in life. It's a learned skill. And so you can learn to be really, really creative. We all have creative faculties. We all have the creative ability in our minds. We just have to learn how to actually harness that. And so that was actually one of my big challenges as a budding writer because, you know, in school I was really good at math, right? I was that math guy. I was the analytical guy. I was very left-brained. Everyone, no one would ever say that I was a creative person when I was in school because I didn't, I didn't appear that way and I didn't have those skills. Um, but now everyone thinks I'm a creative genius and all the books I've written and things I've done and, and whatever. But it's not because I have it's not because I was born this way or because I was born with special skills. It's because I learned, you know, habits and strategies that actually helped me, you know, be creative. And so one of my favorite creative strategies, Matt, that is hugely impactful in my life and many of my students is something called thinking time, just scheduling thinking time. And essentially what it is, is I'll actually schedule my calendar like, you know, 11 a.m. to 1130 thinking time. And so I'll lock myself in the room, uh, you know, no distractions, no cell phones, no interruptions whatsoever. And I just sit down with a pen and paper and I write down some questions and questions could be anything from, you know, how can I improve my health? How can I improve my relationship with my wife? How can I improve my finances? How can I earn more income? How can I grow my business? How can I better serve my clients? Just asking basic questions about how I can actually improve my life. And what I've noticed is just by writing down the question and then writing whatever comes to my mind, any idea that comes to my mind, writing that down on paper, I've had the most incredible ideas. I've had some terrible ideas, for sure. We all have that, right? But I found some of the some of the biggest leaps in my personal success have come just from asking myself questions. And and one of the things I've noticed is, you know, I know, you know, for example, Matt, we're in a, in a mastermind group together, right? And so in our mastermind session, someone will ask a question and other guys in the group will, will, will give their answers, their feedback on how, um, you know, they would deal with that situation or problem, right? But you don't need a mastermind group. You don't need a mentor to tell you what to do. A lot of times in life, if you just ask yourself, you already know the answer. You ask someone who's overweight, what could they do to lose weight? They already know the answer. The thing is, they're just not doing it. They aren't focused on it. And so it's very easy to ignore things in life. It's very easy to get stuck in old habits. And for me, creativity is about more than just coming up with the idea, but it's also changing the focus of your mind to to the solution rather than the problem. And actually, you know, ad admitting to yourself that there is a problem and that you're willing to fix it. And I think to me, that's what creativity is about, is really getting the ideas first of all, but then also changing your focus and your attention. You made a bunch of uh, really good points there. Uh just kind of starting off for listeners who might be unaware, could you describe basically for them what a mastermind group is? Yeah, absolutely. So a mastermind group is just a, a group of people who come together um, to support each other and kind of a common mission. So there's, I know there's a lot of like mastermind groups for business. Um, it's probably the most common one uh, I know of. 
Um, so basically, you might have like five or ten or more people come together in a meeting on Skype or or in a personal meeting or at a, an event, and um, you know people will ask questions and get advice from other other members of the group, right? But a lot of people have read like Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, and he talks about you know mastermind groups and how important they were to like Henry Ford and some of the most successful entrepreneurs in our history. But he also talks about how he had his own mastermind groups in his head just by thinking about it, right? Just by you know, what would what would Henry Ford do in this situation? What would, you know, Rockefeller do in this situation? And I think you can do and that's so that's kind of uh, it's very similar to what I've done with my thinking time process is just instead of asking what would someone else do? What, what would I do? How could I improve my life? Um, but there's all kinds of questions you can ask there's all kinds of things you can think about. But what I've noticed is if if I don't schedule it in my calendar, Matt, if I don't actually spend the time thinking, I'm not going to think I'm just going to go by habit. You know, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to do the same thing I did yesterday. And that's the kind of the habit we're all in. And so I think you have to kind of break yourself out of that habit and have that alone time by yourself without distractions. We can really, really focus and, and think new ideas rather than just doing the same thing day after day after day. And I think one of the other really important points that you made is the idea that creativity is not just sort of for the starving artist. And that, you know, I think a lot of people hear the word creativity and sort of step back and think, oh, I'm not a quote unquote creative and, you know, I'm not an artist. But then when in reality, creativity is a skill that can be applied to literally any field that you're interacting with, whether it's business, physics, whatever it might be. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, business is a great example. Like every entrepreneur is an artist. They are a creative person. You know, they, they've come up with new solutions and new products and new services that no one thought of before. Or maybe they have the same product and the same service, but they're, they're doing things in ways that no one has thought of before. And so that's all creativity. And, you know, for me, if like, if you look at life, like a simple way to look at life is like, it's just a series of problems, problem after problem after problem. And so, you know, the key is just focus on the solution. How do you find the solution? You know, you want to increase your income? Okay, what's the solution? You want to find, you know, a happy marriage? Well, what is the solution, right? And, and so creativity is really the process of coming up with those ideas and testing them and seeing if these potential solutions will actually work to improve your life. And the concept of sort of what's the solution, you, you touched on something a few minutes ago, which is with the example of losing weight, which is basically a vast majority of the time, I mean, maybe not in every case, but often deep down, you know what you need to do. And sometimes you just have to kind of develop or cultivate the self-awareness to say, you know, it's not rocket science. I don't need some sort of epiphany. I really just need to start executing on the basic fundamentals of what I want to achieve. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've noticed that too, time and time again, it's, it's, you know, people want, a lot of times we want like a fancy solution. We want something complex. We want like a diet plan to follow, but you don't need a diet plan to follow. And it's not that they don't work. It's just that, you know, why not just add an apple a day to your diet right now? Like, why not just do the most simple, easy, obvious thing right in front of you? A lot of people, we, we step over the obvious stuff to find something fancy and new and different when really just doing the obvious thing can make a huge, huge difference over time. We all make changes slowly. Like, I've never seen someone go from, you know, broke to billionaire overnight. It doesn't happen, right? Uh, I've never seen someone go from 200 pounds to 140 and their fit ideal weight, you know, in two days. It just doesn't happen. And so... Rather than trying to get you know mega results instantly, why not just see, okay, what can I do today to improve my situation right now? Because that's how you make progress. Because otherwise, you're just going to put it off. You know? You're know, you going to put it off for a day, then a week, then a month, then a year, then 10 years. And, and you're going to look back at your life like, why didn't I ever eat that apple? Why didn't I ever take that walk? Why didn't I ever go to that conference? Why didn't I start that business? Why didn't I write that book? Well, it's because you, you, you made it into such a big thing that you could never really do instead of focusing on the next step. If all you do is focus on the next step, you'll constantly be making progress. That is super important. 
You know, I try to distill any, any project that I'm working on. I always try to distill it down to the sort of what is the next action item, the next thing I can do to kind of make some sort of progress on that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's where your focus has to be because otherwise it's so easy to get overwhelmed. Like our minds are our biggest enemy sometimes, you know? And so if you think like, for example, books are a great example. You know, when I first had the idea to write a book, like it was, you know, it seemed like this monumental task that would take years and years and years to accomplish. And the truth is it's not, it's not really that complicated. It's not really that difficult if you know what to do. And if you just focus on the next step, I mean, literally, you know, sit your butt down in a chair, open up Microsoft Word and start writing, right? Anyone can do that right now. Anyone can start writing a book this very instant. They don't need, you know, a guru to tell them what to do or how to do it. You can just start right now. And so for me, that likewise, I'm always focused on, okay, what is the next step? What is the next step? And so I don't get overwhelmed, so I don't get stuck, so I don't procrastinate. And I think uh, that that's just crucial to really anything in life for me personally is just focusing on what is the next step. So going back to the idea of thinking time, you know, one of the things that I'm a huge fan of, and, and I, it's it's a very similar process, is just basically uh, kind of a daily ritual developed by a guy named Josh Waitskin. Are you familiar with Josh at all? Yeah, absolutely. He's a fantastic book on learning. I think it's called like The Art of Learning or something. Yes. Yeah, The Art of Learning. Exactly. Yeah, great book. And so he recommends kind of a very similar process, which is, is essentially kind of the idea of structuring your morning around having a sort of an uninterrupted period of time before you check email, before the day sort of, you know, disrupts you to just brainstorm on a particular problem or challenge that you're having and kind of harnessing the subconscious mind and the powers of the subconscious mind to, to tackle that issue. And there's a whole framework that he goes through to kind of basically feed ideas into the subconscious and, and sort of pull them out, which we actually did a whole episode on and I'll link that in the show notes for people who want to check that out. But that, you know, I think that that you've definitely hit sort of the nail on the head and, and that's a huge piece of developing creativity is kind of scheduling that time and having it be sort of uninterrupted time that you can really think and sort of force your mind to be creative. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think another big key to creativity that a lot of people miss on, miss out on, especially like writers and introverts is, is connecting with other people, you know, like mastermind groups are a great way to do it, but you don't need to be part of some formal group to do it. Like you can just go and, you know, find someone in your field, find someone in your industry, find customers, find your audience members, find your fans and talk to them about your passion, talk to them about what you're working on, talk to them about your problems and, and, you know, your products and services and, and talk to them about what you're doing and just listen and get feedback. And you'll be amazed at, you know, how that will spark your own creativity by connecting with other people. And, um, you know, we have this kind of idea that this, you know, the cre super creative scientists like Albert Einstein just, you know, sitting in their office, you know, just daydreaming, coming up with, you know, brilliant game changing, world changing ideas. And that's not really how it works. I mean, all successful people that I know who you would think of as really creative and, and geniuses, they always connect with other people. They always talk to other people. They're always learning, whether they're learning from, you know, a janitor or, you know, someone who you think might not have any good ideas or whether they're talking to, you know, Nobel Prize winners, right? They're, they're always open to new ideas and to sharing and to communicating. And I think that's a big part of creativity is connecting with other human beings and sharing ideas rather than just thinking you can do it all on your own. Very insightful. So kind of dovetailing with that, I'm curious in terms of sort of specifically within the context of writing, I know one of the biggest challenges is writer's block, writer creative block or whatever you want to call it. What are some of the ways that, that you overcome that? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Yeah, so super easy. So first of all, uh, you can do that same writing time exercise, but instead of thinking about, uh, you know, income or whatever, just think about, okay, what are the ideas I want to share in my writing today? Like, what are the main ideas that I really want to share? What are, if you're writing nonfiction or like a how-to guide or something like that, you want to help your audience, you know, solve a problem, just ask like, okay, what is the problem I'm solving and how how can I help my, my reader solve that problem? And just get, just really hone in on what are the major ideas you want to share and just write that down and jot that down your little list. Uh, and so essentially what that does is it kind of warms up your mind. It gets your mind focused on what are the big ideas you want to share. And so when you sit down to write, you're not just staring at a blank screen wondering what the heck do I do. You actually, okay, here's the list of ideas. And so you just, you just get in that flow and start writing. Another big thing that is a really bad habit a lot of writers have and if you break this habit, it will like double, triple your productivity, uh, is the habit of editing while you write. So there's really kind of two parts of the writing process. There's like the creative writing side where you're just in the flow. You're just writing words on paper or on your processor, on your computer. And you're just, you're not thinking about anything else. You're just, you know, it's like some people say it's like channeling. It's like, you know, from God or divine spirit or whatever. It's just, you're totally in the flow. You're not thinking about it. You're just doing it. And words are appearing on the page. And then there's the left brain part of it, which is like the analytical editing part of your brain, right? And so that's when you're fixing typos and grammatical errors and, you know, you're fact checking and you're doing research and stuff. And if you try to do both of those things at one time, you're not going to get in the flow. And if you do get in flow, you're not going to stay in flow because you're going to be constantly editing yourself, right? And so if you separate those two processes, so if you say, this is writing time, it's creative writing time, and just focus on getting words on paper and just get in the flow, uh, you'll, you'll write so much faster 
and then you know get up take a walk do something else and then come back and actually edit it and if you separate those two processes you'll be amazed how much more productive you'll be you know it's i've seen i've seen writers literally like you know they'll complain that they worked for like four hours and couldn't write more than a couple pages and it's because they're just constantly it's like it's like having one foot on the brake and one foot on the gas right they're, they're writing a little bit and they're editing and they're writing a little bit and they're editing and they never get in the flow and they're never going to be productive that way that makes a ton of sense and and i think i've read somewhere about kind of the creative process being split into sort of two phases, which you describe basically the sort of the ideation or generation phase and then sort of the selection phase. And even in a business context, you, you know, if you're having a, a marketing meeting or a brainstorm where you're trying to come up with new ideas or whatever it might be, you're going to be a lot more productive if you spend one part of the meeting just generating ideas and not judging them. And then after you've generated a ton of ideas, then you kind of come in with a critical lens and say, and start sort of parsing them down and saying, no, this one doesn't make sense. Or maybe we should combine these two or whatever it is, but it's really hard to create new wacky combinations without, with when you have that sort of mindset of judging your ideas in real time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I remember learning that in business school about this, you know, idea of brainstorming and why you should never judge, you know, in the brainstorming phase. Right. And I always thought it was kind of nonsense. Like, that's just silly. Like, you know, some ideas are just horrible ideas. But I think what I've noticed from my personal experience is the problem with judging those ideas right away, especially if you're in a group setting, is that, you know, like, let's say, you know, we're, we're talking up with like business ideas, Matt, and you say like hot dogs. And I'm like, Matt, this is an idiotic idea. You know, hot dogs are a horrible business model. Right. And like, so what's that going to do to you emotionally? Right. It's going to totally take you out of flow. You're no longer going to be inspired. You're probably going to like be, you know, hurt or resentful or angry. And you're not going to have your, your most creativity and your most creative ideas come up after that. You're going to be afraid to share. And so your second idea might be an amazing idea, but you won't share it because, you know, that relationship has been harmed. And so that's, I think, one of the reasons why. Uh, in my experience, why, you know, judging ideas too soon can really hurt, especially in a group setting. But even for yourself, it's the same thing. You know, if you, you know, write down five ideas on a piece of paper and you're like, oh, these ideas are horrible. You just get in this negative mind frame rather than just focusing on, you know, coming up with more ideas, which, you know, it's, it's a numbers game. Everything in life is a numbers game. If, you know, the person who has one idea versus the person who has 100 ideas, you know, the person with 100 ideas is eventually going to be more successful if they can figure out how to find the good ones in there. You know, that reminds me of, in kind of a similar context, whenever I'm trying to create something, whether it's uh, a PowerPoint presentation or uh, an email or whatever it is, I always try to treat the first version as just a, a rough draft, you know, and I say, if you, if you set out, and at least this is my personal experience, if you set out and say, I need to craft this perfect, you know, everything has to be exactly right presentation or whatever it is, it's really daunting. But if I set out and say, I'm just going to create, you know, create sort of the, the very rough draft kind of basic 1.0 version, what I'll do is just get flowing and starting and create it and actually, you know, do a pretty good job. And then I'll look back and be like, you know what, like, that's pretty good. Like I probably could just use this and maybe make a few tweaks and, it, and it's going to end up being fine. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's how it works when you're in writing a book, you know, like you just want to get the first draft done as quickly as possible. Cause that's when like the real work starts of doing your fact checking and, you know, proofreading and editing and rewriting. Right. And so a lot of people, they just never even get the first draft done because, you know, they've got bad habits or they're constantly self editing. They're never really getting into flow, whatever it is, you know, get the first draft done and it's, it's all easier from there. But if you're constantly fighting yourself with one foot on the brake, one foot on the gas, it's going to be a struggle the whole way. And you're never even get the first draft done. So that kind of segues into the idea of writing as a skill set. And, you know, I think, I think 
we both probably would agree that writing is a critically important skill and not just for authors, but for anybody in life. If you want to communicate with people effectively, if you want your ideas to be structured and really clear and understandable, it's important to master the skill of writing. What would you say from all of the books you've written and, and all the work you've done in the in the publishing space, what are some of the key lessons that you found that can help people improve as writers? Yeah, it's a good question. So there's one book called 2K to 10K uh, by Rachel Aaron, and she talks a lot in that book about plotting. It's actually a book on writing fiction, but I found it to be one of the best books I've read on writing ever. Um, and, and I write nonfiction. I don't write fiction, but a lot of my clients do. But even just from my writing, nonfiction has helped so much. And her, her basic premise is, is kind of what we covered before, is just planning ahead of time, doing all your plotting, you know, planning out your scenes, planning out how everything's going to go in your mind. So you have a crystal clear picture of you know, where the book is heading and, and where everything's going. So when you actually sit down to write, you already know what's going to happen. It just comes down to, you know, filling in the sentences, basically, and filling out, you know, the explanations and the details and the hyperlinks that people need to see and the research people need to see and all that. Right. So that has been hugely uh, valuable for me and for a lot of my clients. I mean, when they read that book, like it just it's like a game changer for them because they realize, you know, rather than spending two years of their life writing a 300 page book, and then finding out, you know, the plotting was wrong and the structure is wrong, organization is wrong. You know, they can spend a day or two or three just planning out the entire book. And so not only does the writing process so much faster, but they don't waste time creating something that at the end they find out is just garbage because they didn't plan it out properly. So 2K to 10K, is that the idea of sort of zooming out to 10,000 feet? Uh, no, it's actually, so I think it was her word count. So she, her word count went from 2,000 words a day to 10,000 words a day, which is like massive uh, for a writer. And so it's kind of her process of how she, how she achieved that. It's her whole kind of system for it. And uh, it's actually, kind of, you know, the same system I use today, very essentially with a few tweaks, and it's very valuable. That's great advice. And I think something that, you know, a lot of people don't really think about planning out what they're going to write before they actually do it. Yeah, well, it's the same thing with anything, right, Matt? It's like, it's like if you're going to do a business, don't you want to plan it out? I mean, you don't have to have like an official business plan to pitch to venture capitalists if that's not what you're doing, but you should at least have some idea what you're doing, right? You should at least kind of know where you're going. You know, like, for example, I see people who want to start a business and they want to, you know, let's say they want to sell a supplement or something, right? And like, they'll just call up like one supplement manufacturer and get one quote, right? And then they're like, okay, we'll go with them. And they don't do any research and they don't do any preparation. They don't plan it out. To me, that's just kind of a, a lazy way to go through life. And I, I used to be that way. I used to be so lazy, you know, like I, I made so many mistakes in business from not doing my research and not doing my homework and not planning things out. But if you just spend the extra time to do that, you'll be amazed how far you can go and how many mistakes you can avoid. Because that's really, I think, what holds most people back is not um, that they can't figure out how to be successful, is that is that they make these mistakes that just cost them so much because they weren't planning. They weren't planning ahead. They didn't ask other people for advice and they just jumped into something which was, you know, ridiculous. Like you see so many entrepreneurs today, who, you know, especially where I live, you know, someone will open a, a restaurant and three months later they're out of business. Why? Because they didn't do any research, right? Like they didn't do any research at all into, you know, the audience, the who their customers were, marketing, uh, finances, how much money they needed to raise. Like they didn't do any research. They just thought, hey, it'd be a great idea to open a restaurant. And so they did it. And that's just not the way to be successful long term. Yeah, I think a focus on, I mean, specifically within a business context, a focus on risk mitigation and and really trying to, for sort of the least amount of time, least amount of money, least amount of energy possible, figure out if it makes sense and if it's possible to do something or if it works 
is is something that's that a lot of people don't really consider before they kind of launch into a venture and often those are the ventures that don't pan out definitely i mean it's the same thing in pretty much any area of life though right like in a relationship like if you go on a date with someone you're like let's get married right now you know you haven't really done your research for that person you don't really know if it's going to work right and um and so it's like anything in life you're like you want to invest the time to learn as much as you can so you're educated so you can make good decisions rather than just thinking that you know, it's kind of arrogance to think that you know all the answers when you're not, when you haven't done the research, basically. So changing directions a little bit, uh, for listeners who are listening to this and and maybe they're looking to, they, they've thought about publishing a book or they're looking to build credibility or establish an audience or whatever it might be, you know, obviously one of your expertises is in kind of the world of self-publishing. What, you know, what advice would you have for those listeners and, and what would you say about pursuing that strategy? Uh, I mean, self-publishing today is amazing. It's 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 the most profitable way to publish a book, and that's just true. I mean, there, there's basically no way you can argue with that if you look at the numbers. And the reason is because you know when you traditionally publish a book, you're going to get 10, 15 percent royalties, and you self-publish, you can get 70 percent royalties or so. So, you know, for example, if you're self-publish uh, an ebook at two dollars and ninety-nine cents, you earn about two dollars in royalties when you self-publish it every time you sell that ebook. Um, but as a traditionally published author, if you sell a $25 hardcover book, you're going to earn, you know, a little less than $2 in royalties. So you'll earn more selling a $3 ebook self-published than selling a $25 hardcover book traditionally published. And so the question is like, do you think it's going to be easier to sell more $3 ebooks or more $25 hardcover books in an industry where print sales are declining? Right. And so if you just, if you do the market research and really understand it, self-publishing just makes so much sense financially. But I think it's like any business you, you want to get involved in, Matt. Like you need, you should do your research, you should do your homework, you should figure out how big is the market, where are the opportunities right now. And so the biggest opportunities right now are really with eBooks for most markets. Um, digital audiobooks are booming right now. Uh, print books are great for a lot of markets, but um, you know, f- for most self-published authors, you're going to earn probably three, four, or five times as much from your eBook than from your print book. Again, it just totally depends on the market and, and the author as well. So, like, if you're doing a lot of public speaking, you know, you might sell a lot of books in the back of the room. And you might make a lot more money from print books. But generally speaking, that's kind of how it's going to turn out. So, I would say, you know, do your research and really get educated before jumping in. You know, a big mistake I see a lot of new people making self-publishing is they'll just, you know, they won't they won't get several quotes for work. So, if they want to hire an editor, they'll like hire their neighbor's best friend and pay five or ten or twenty thousand dollars for an editor when they could have gotten much better work done for a much lower price you know same thing with book covers and you know marketing services and so forth it's just you know i have like a rule in business man i call it my rule of three like if anytime i'm gonna invest a significant amount amount of money in a project and i'm gonna hire someone to do a job i want at least a minimum of three quotes like bare minimum i need to have three quotes and again it just it just stops you from making an emotional decision that you're later going to regret because you just didn't do your research that's a great rule. I think I might uh, I might borrow that from you. Absolutely, please do. So, in terms of sort of some of the topics we've talked about today, writing, creativity, improving your writing skills, etc., are there any specific resources, whether they're books, websites, whatever, um, that you would recommend listeners check out if they wanted to kind of dig down and understand some of these topics more deeply? Um, yeah. So there's there's a lot. I mean, it really. I would say. You know, you can find books on pretty much anything today. And I think, you know, I, I'm an avid reader. I love reading. So I've read like an average five books a week for the past like 10 years. So I've read thousands wow. of books and mostly like personal development stuff and nonfiction. And one thing I've learned, Matt, is like it sounds impressive that I've read so many books, but a lot of those books were not totally a waste, but some kind of somewhat of a waste. 
Because like, for example, like I've read books on real estate investing, but it was at a time in my life where I didn't even have the capital to actually invest in real estate. So it was like, you know, I've forgotten 90% of what I learned since then, right? And so I would recommend for most people, like you really want to study something, study what you need to know right now. Like what do you need right now? And then go find the book on that that you need to learn right now. So if you're going to write a book, go study books on writing, right? If you're going to publish books, study books on publishing. If you're going to market something, study books on marketing. If you're, you know, if you're having trouble in your marriage or relationships, study books on relationships. And so there's, there's so many amazing books out and, and I can send you some of my top books and you can post them in the show notes. But, you know, I, I don't want to make like blanket recommendations for everyone because I think it's, it's even better if you really, again, just do that couple of seconds of thinking of what, what problems are you having right now? What challenges are you having right now? that and then find the books that will help you with those problems you're having right now it's all about planning before you execute right absolutely because i mean you know it's a lot of investment to read a book and it's it's not that it's not useful but if you can read a book right now that you can actually implement right now in your life it's going to make much much more of a difference than reading something that you won't use for a couple more years so how do you retain all of the knowledge from all the books you read do you have some kind of system so i I do take notes notes are amazing Um, i think it just helps a lot uh, I like to talk too. So, uh, you know, find some, find like a book group or a mastermind group or a partner or a friend or a colleague, someone you can talk to about the ideas you're learning. That helps a ton. Um, because by explaining the ideas, you, you get to hear them again yourself and you also get to clarify, you know, make sure you actually understand. Cause if you can't explain it to someone else, you don't really understand it completely. Right. Um, so that helps a ton. Um, but actually one of our, one of my clients published a book recently called unlimited memory, actually a couple of years ago, it's a huge bestseller now. It's like the number one book on Amazon for, in memory. And that's amazing. So I'm actually studying his system right now, uh, on how to improve my memory. And uh, it's pretty fantastic. So he's actually, you know, when he grew up, he had like learning disabilities, he had dyslexia, you know, he was told he was an idiot basically. And he taught himself how to improve his memory. And, and he since broke like world records on memory. So like he memorized pi to 10,000 digits and broke the world record for that memorization test by 14 minutes, right? And it's not because he was like born a genius, it's because he there, there's simple things you can do uh, if you practice it. It's basically about using your imagination to remember things better. And um, so I'm studying that right now. So I would recommend that to anyone if you wanna improve your memory, that book is amazing. That sounds awesome. And that uh, that reminds me of two things. One, I don't know if you've ever read the book Moonwalking with Einstein, but it's kind of a look into uh, memory champions and those whole memory competitions. And actually the, the journalist who wrote the book kind of started out just examining that community and then ended up getting involved. And I think actually winning the national memory championship at one point. Yeah. Uh, It's a great book, which just demonstrates how learnable a lot of these memory skills are. And the other piece is for, for listeners who are curious about that, we also have an episode about memory where we actually talk about the strategy you can use to memorize a, a deck of 52 cards that have been totally randomized. So I'll put that link in the show notes as well, and, and we'll get a list from Tom about some of his top picks that we'll, that we'll include in there. So definitely check the show notes out, and you can get all those resources. So Tom, are there, is there anything else that we, that we haven't touched on that you want to share with our listeners? Absolutely. So there's one more thing with creativity, and this is actually, uh, I'm big into science and research, but I don't necessarily um, follow it for everything. For example, like creativity, I think a lot of my, my lessons on that are totally experiential, what I've learned from experience and, and talking to other really brilliant minds. Um, but this one's actually backed by research. So there's, there's all kinds of studies that have been published recently on walking and how walking actually improves your creativity. And like you can actually double like the amount of creative ideas you can come up with just by walking for 15 minutes. And so if you're ever feeling stuck, you need ideas, but they're not coming, 
um, you're working, but you're not being productive, it's frustrating, like get up, take a 15 minute walk or a five minute walk and you'll be amazed. I, I noticed that as well. Like I actually, I actually noticed this in my own life before the studies came out and then I saw a study and I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. So you'd be amazed by how much uh, just a, a short walk in nature on a treadmill even um, can just help you clear your mind and improve your creativity. Great piece of advice that might dovetail into the next thing I was going to ask you, which is what is one piece of homework you have for our listeners? So the homework I would have for people is schedule in your calendar right now, time to be creative, time to come up with new ideas, time to think, because it, it's so easy to get stuck in the day-to-day -day life and the old habits. And if you really want to make a change, that's going to come up, that's going to come from new ideas and applying those new ideas. And so if you schedule just 30 minutes in your calendar right now for the next week to just be alone, to, to, to write down questions, to think, that will make a huge difference in your life. You'll be amazed at the ideas that come up with and, and how that will affect you and the trajectory of your life. That is something simple and easy that anybody listening right now can do. Take 30 minutes, schedule some time on your calendar in the next seven days, and, and just set aside some thinking time. And if you, if you want to dig in more about the, some of the science behind that, which uh, even though Tom said it's been sort of an experiential learning from him, it's actually rooted in a lot of neuroscience, why that thinking time is effective. Um, check out the link in the show notes or listen to our episode about uh, creative breakthroughs. Well, anyway, Tom, that, that kind of wraps up uh, the questions I had for you. So uh, I wanted to just say thank you very much for being a guest on The Science of Success. It's been, uh, it's been a joy to have you on here. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. Listeners like you are why we do this podcast. The emails and stories we receive from listeners around the globe bring us joy and fuel our mission to unleash human potential. If you want to reach out to me, say hi, share your story, shoot me a note. My email is matt, that's M-A-T-T, -T, at scienceofsuccess.co. That's matt at scienceofsuccess.co. I read every single email I get. I reply to every single listener that emails me. I would love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes because that helps more and more people discover the science of success. And as a thank you to you for being awesome, I'm giving away a $100 Amazon gift card. All you have to do to be entered to win is to text the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, -E to the number 44222. Again, text SMARTER to 44222 to be entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success.